Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. What's going on? Welcome into a Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek, a game day edition as the Pelicans still here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as we'll take on the Timberwolves for the second time in three days. Joining me as always is Jim Eichenhofer of Pelicans.com. And today we have the radio voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Alan Horton, who will discuss what went down on Saturday night. And Alan, one, I appreciate the time. And two, I don't know if either of us can describe what went down on Saturday night between the 50-plus turnovers and a game coming down to the wire. It was a, a pretty odd game, to say the least. What did you think? Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. Uh, not only the turnovers, uh, there were about 40 offensive rebounds. Neither team shot the ball really well. Um, and it ended up being a pretty competitive game down the stretch, despite the Timberwolves building a 17-point lead and kind of having a double-digit margin for a good portion of that game. But it was um, – you know, it's almost kind of the game I thought, Daniel, that we might have seen during the preseason, you know, with all the turnovers and then and kind of um, missed shots and kind of just um, it was it was ugly basketball at times. Um, and and the, you know, quite frankly, from a Timberwolves perspective, those are the kind of games the Timberwolves would find a way to lose in years past. And um, I think it speaks a little bit to where they are this year and where their where their uh, sights are set, that they that they found a way to win this game. Yeah, the Pelicans set a, tied a franchise record for 30 turnovers in the game. I believe the Timberwolves set their franchise record for forced turnovers in that game yeah. with the 30. Talk about their defense here in the first couple of games, even going back to the Houston win on opening night and how this team seems really improved on that side of the ball and kind of how that, that mindset is uh, every single night for them, how they approach things under Chris Finch. Yeah, so many teams and so many sports always talk about, um, hey, we got to play defense, right? Um, and, and but Chris Finch has kind of taken that mindset this year, and they've really worked on it in training camp. They spent the majority of camp just focused on defensive fundamentals and how they want to play, um, what their shell defense is, um, so that everybody's on the same page, and um, that's paid off. Even in the preseason, they they were a top ten defensive team for what that's worth. Um, I think it does say a little something because you're playing different lineups um, up and down the game and, and, and still had a pretty good defense and that's continued right into the, uh, into the regular season. And, you know, it's not a defense that Chris Finch says that, that wants to, you know, is trying to force a lot of turnovers, but when you're active and you're playing it the way he wants it played, um, it's going to lead to deflections. It leads to steals and turnovers and uh, the Wolves have been really good in turning those into points. So 
Um, you know, through two games, the the numbers are just um, sort of out of this world. I think they've forced 54 turnovers. They've turned those into 63 points. So um, that that has uh, been a direct uh, correlation to the to the defense. And you know, it's 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 a welcome change for Timberwolves fans because the defense six out of the last seven years has been bottom ten. And the one year it wasn't, it was 11th. It was 20th in the league. So um, it's been a while since we've seen a top 15 defense, but that's what they're shooting for this year. Before I get to Jim, we look at tonight's game here, and it's interesting with this, the new thing that the NBA is trying to do with having teams stay in a city for more than just one game. It allows both teams to make some adjustments and then be able to show those um, in just a couple of days. What adjustments do you think maybe both teams might make, or do you kind of throw Saturday out the window and say you kind of got both teams kind of got to reset a little bit in order to see what happens tonight? Yeah, I think probably both teams are, are more like, hey, we, we need to take care of what we can t- what we can control, how we play in the game, uh, because I think uh, I, I'm not sure how much you can read into that game, because like we said, it was it was ugly at times on both ends. Um, I, I think probably New Orleans feels like, hey, we, we need to take better care of the basketball. Uh, we need to do X, Y and Z. Timberwolves probably need to feel the same way. So I don't know how many adjustments are going to be made. I think it's more about. Um, how each team comes out and, and prepares for this thing. I think I think coaches like the uh, the two game series or the back to back against the same team. Um, certainly, as broadcasters, preparation wise, it's I think it's fun to play the same team. Um, it makes the prep a little bit easier. Um, and and for, for fans, I'm, I'm not sure I'm not sure if it works for fans because um, you know trying to come out and see a couple of games during the homestand. I don't know if you want to see the same team twice. Um, and I also think from a competitive balance standpoint, it's interesting because. You know, uh, the Wolves catch a break because we're seeing New Orleans without Zion Williamson. And because these two games are back to back, there's no chance he plays in either of them. So you do get that during the season when you happen to catch a team that's without one of their key guys, um, which, you know, makes it a little unfair. But um, I think overall, I'm still in favor of, of playing, uh, shortening the travel and playing a team twice. Um, you obviously don't do it against, uh, well, you don't do it often against, uh, it would be a home and home if you did it against the East teams. But I think for three or four times a year, you you randomly play a team twice. I, I think that works. Alan, I think one of the things during the offseason that people talk about every year around the NBA is they're, they look at a couple teams maybe that had great finishes to the previous season, and they wonder, you know, is that going to apply to the following season? And in a lot of cases, you see teams that have great second halves, and it doesn't really have any carryover whatsoever. But how much of – you? how much of the way that Minnesota played in the last say 20, 25 games last season, do you think you see the way they've started this season as kind of the, the, that they've just built upon what they did at the end of last year? Yeah, Jim, I'm with you. I'm not a big fan of even for a personal, for a player, the stats carrying over to the next season. I don't, I don't think there's a high correlation between team success at the end of one year into the next, but I will say in this particular case, I think, I think there is something uh, to the continuity that the Wolves have. They have 11 of 15 players back. And for the most part, they were pretty healthy down the stretch, meaning Cat and D'Lo and Ant got to play together. Um, they played together just 24 games last year, and I think 20 of those came under Chris Finch. So he really benefited from having having his three best players. Ryan Saunders had those three best players for a total of uh, four games in his 31 games before being dismissed. So um, it's, it's not all about the coaching. It's about who, what, you know, who, and uh, when are they available, your best players. But I think there is some carryover because Chris Finch was able to implement some things, um, change things up a little bit. The guys figured out how he wanted to play. They went 11 and 11 down the stretch. And one of the reasons you can't take much from the end of last season is because you're playing opponents that 
are either in tank mode or are, are cruising at the top of the standings and maybe overlook you. There's all sorts of factors. But I think the way they got together offensively and clicked um, it did help. When you have the same coach and you have the same key players coming back, I think it can make a difference. And that, um, that did pay off because Chris Finch wasn't coming in completely out of the blue. They knew what he's about. They know what he stands for. They know what he wants them to do. So I, I, think, there, I think there has been a carryover from last season. Yeah, it seems like when the schedule came out and people here obviously saw that two of the first four games are going to be against Minnesota, I think there was an initial um, idea of like, okay, that's not a bad way to start the season. But I, that, I, there's also, I think, a lot of people who said, this team is going to be better than people think. And this is, this team could be, is more talented than it's been in the past. So um, that, that also made it so that I don't think people in general were like, these are going to be easy games whatsoever. Um, I was curious that this, this might change as time goes on, but what do you think is the team goal this year? Is it to, to be in the play-in? Is it to just make huge strides compared to the last couple of years? I think, uh, I think the goal is to make the postseason. I think they, they've set the goal as, as, as missing the play in, I, you know, top six, is that realistic? You know, I don't know. Two and O is off to a good start. That certainly helps. Um, especially when, you know, that we know that you are who you are through 20 games into the NBA season. I mean, it's history tells us that, you know, seven of the eight spots are usually those teams are already in playoff position. Now it changes a little bit with the play in tournament. Um, but you, you, the bottom line is you want to get off to a good start and the Wolves have put themselves in a good position there. And I think they have flown under the radar as far as the offseason goes, because, you know, they didn't make splashy moves. They weren't like you guys just played the Bulls, um, Chicago, you know, picking up DeMar DeRozan and Alonzo Ball um, and making some some key acquisitions. It, the only acquisitions the Timberwolves made was acquiring Pat Beverly and Torian Prince. And I don't think that made national headlines, but those two guys have made a big impact. Um, just in the way they go about their business. Those guys are vets. They know how to play the game. Um, they know what's expected um, and how to prepare for games. It, it, it's, it's amazing the difference they've made, especially Pat Beverly, who's, um, you know, it's funny. He's been in the league for, for what, 10 years now. And um, I, I've never really heard him talk before, whether he was in Houston or LA. And just being around him this year, I'm, I'm stunned at how vocal he is, what a leader he is. Um, he's not a guy who's going to start the game and play 35 minutes a night and score you 20 points, but he gets after it defensively. He's the kind of guy you love to have on your team when he's on your team. Um, you hate him when he's on the other team and he's being a pest and um, causing problems for your point guard. Uh, but those two acquisitions have been really under the radar, but those guys have made a big impact. Um, and, and, that, and that has shown in the way the Wolves have gone about playing defensively. And, you know, it's only two games, but already the best defensive rating in the NBA, they're leading the league and opponents turnover rate and fast break points. They're up there in steals and in blocks and those categories. So um, uh, that those two acquisitions have made a big, big difference in, in, in that area. I think a lot of times in the off season, the teams that are kind of under the radar, the teams that get overlooked, like you said, are the teams that don't make splashy moves, but also have a bunch of younger guys that are super talented that can make a big jump from year to year, which I think is one of the things that the Pelicans as well as the Timberwolves are hoping to see this year. Um, on that uh, topic, I, I was curious about Anthony Edwards. It seems like he's, you know, poised to have a great year and, and, and really specifically about him off the court. Can you kind of describe what he's like in terms of his interviews? It seems like <laughs> for people that have gotten more and more exposed to um, what he's like as a person and some of the stuff that he, he talks about, it just seems like he's been a very entertaining kind of guy. 
Yeah, entertaining is the word. Fun is the way I describe it. I mean, he's just, he's got a smile on his face like every day, which um, is just refreshing to be around, even with everything going on in the world over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and, and as we get older, the responsibilities we have as adults and having families and those kind of things, it, 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 uh, it is refreshing to be around someone who's smiling and having fun every day. And he's just um, anybody, you know, you know, people listening, if they haven't heard his postgame interviews from last season, they have to just Google Anthony Edwards postgame and, and something will pop up. Um, he's just um, he, he he made last season bearable. You it was it was like must see TV. You had to tune in after the game, even if the Timberwolves lost. Um, to find out what Anthony Edwards was going to be saying and what he's going to be talking about. He's, he's exceptionally confident. He has fun with things. Um, he's not, um, you know, he, he, he's, he wants to be a one from day one. That's his, that's his thing. And if you ask him about other sports football, oh, I would have been all pro and, and, and swimming. He's, he was out on the lake this summer. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm Michael Phelps in the water. He's always just <laughs> taking it to these extreme levels. And it's, it's, it's just fun and refreshing and entertaining um, and, 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 and by the way, he's a really good basketball player and his body is just, I mean, coming into the league, looking like that is just, it's just incredible. Oftentimes we see rookies have to kind of grow into the NBA, have their bodies kind of catch up with where their basketball is at. Not the case for Ant. Um, he took huge strides under Chris Finch last year. Um, it'll be interesting to see what I, I think what, where the area he can really hone things are is, is his efficiency, because I think as long as Cat and D'Lo stay healthy, um, he's not going to be the, 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 you know, the leading shot getter. I mean, he's going to have to fit in with those two guys, which I think he's fine with, but I mean, he's not going to jump up to 30 points a game as long as those guys are healthy, but he can be more efficient. We're already starting to see his three point shooting be a little more. Um, he's being more selective on what kind of shots he's taken from three. Um, and, and he's also knocking down that shot a little more efficiently. So I think that's where, that's where he can make a big impact. He wants to, He's got lofty goals of averaging two steals a game. So he's got those kind of mindsets. His rebounding is already up. So I think that's those are areas where he can get a lot better. Well, he is certainly excited to watch, but hopefully that's not the case tonight for us as the Pelicans take on the Timberwolves for the second time in three days. That's Alan Horton, radio voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Alan, I really appreciate you taking time out of your game day to join us, and I'll see you later tonight at the arena. Daniel, sounds good. Jim, always good to talk to you guys, and uh, all the best. There he goes. That's Alan Horton, radio voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves here on the Pelicans podcast. Just a few more minutes before we wrap things up. And, and Jim, you know, we, we hear Alan talk about how fun Anthony Edwards is. And I feel like the Pelicans have some of those guys, too. But, you know, what's been fun is watching these games in the first week of the season. There's just been a lot of excitement. You see the Charlotte Hornets that are three, you know, um, the Lakers with a with a big win over the Memphis Grizzlies last night. You're just seeing stars after stars. But another thing that you and I have kind of looked out for based on some of the new rules and kind of how things are going, it's just the flow of the game. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on, on kind of how that's gone, because it just seems like there's been a lot of flow uh, based on the free throw attempts. And we've talked about the replay system. How, how do you feel like it's gone through the first week of the season? I think it's been a lot more enjoyable to not have so many stoppages, whether you're talking about free throws of uh, some players getting 12, 15 free throws, based on the new rules, you could argue that they didn't deserve in, in the past that they're not getting now. And then not having so many stoppages in the last couple minutes of the fourth quarter. I think both of those have been great improvements. I remember in the, I forget which game it was of the Western conference finals between Phoenix and the Clippers that someone mentioned how the last two minutes took in real time, took something like 38 or 32 minutes, something around that 
uh, ballpark. So that was, it was getting out of control the point where there's so much basketball is not meant to be like baseball, where it's like you do a play, then you stop for 15 seconds, then another pitch happens and then you stop for 15 seconds. I mean, the up and down nature of it is what makes it fun. And I think what a lot of fans enjoy. So I definitely like that improvement. I'm sure there's a couple of players who already are not happy that their trips to the free throw line have been greatly reduced. But I mean, you, you mentioned two of the games I, I watched from beginning to end yesterday, the Charlotte game against Brooklyn. And uh, I love the way the referees interpreted some of the defensive plays that Charlotte was making that, that did not end up with free throws and let's keep playing. Um, he doesn't, the guy that driving doesn't deserve it because he's lowering his shoulder or he's running through a guy. So that was great. And then the Grizzlies Lakers was a really good game as well. So um, I think across the board, I think people will, will enjoy it. There might be times here and there where in a specific instance, as a fan, you might say, man, I wish there was more replay because a call went against us, but broadly speaking, I think I'm big time, two thumbs up on, on those changes. I remember it came up one time um, the other night against the Timberwolves where it was an out of bounds play and Pat Beverly wanted the, he gave me the most, gave us the most, yeah. but wanted to review it. And it's like, you can't review those anymore. Out of bounds plays are one of the mm -hmm. things that you cannot review under the final two minutes. And so I just feel like it's interesting that I think even, and it's not thing against Pat Beverly, but I think there's going to be a lot of players that forget that those kind of things can't happen anymore. You can expect. And that was a part of the reason why, things were caught up. I remember in the playoffs last year, it just seemed like every other possession, there was an out of bounds play or something that they were viewing. It's like games were ending 30 minutes later than they used to. And it, was, yeah. it does turn the casual fan off. You know, fans like us will probably stick around and watch, but who, who no one wants to watch that for 30 mm -hmm. minutes of just replay after replay. There was a Pandora's box element to what replay was becoming, where it was like, you start with replay and say, okay, we're going to just do this. And then you say, well, no, we need to add this. And then all of a sudden you end up with a system where it's just gotten out of control. So, and I think to, to your point about casual fans and people that are going to watch under certain conditions, I think every single fan, whether you love basketball and live and breathe it, or you just kind of pass you're kind of a passerby. The end, one of the things that makes the NBA great is the athleticism, the dunks, the highlights, Steph Curry shooting from 40 feet. There's not a fan out there that's, enjoys watching the game so that they can see players twirl their fingers yeah. around every time there's a controversial call that was getting out of control as well. I mean, not that that was that big of a thing, but it was just like it. I'm sure for a lot of the head coaches, they, even though again, there's situations where they wish they had more replays. I think a lot of the head coaches, if they were being honest behind closed doors would say they were getting tired of in the first quarter, one of their star players was, you know, saying we need to go check for replay and, the head coach every single time had to make the decision of no, we don't want to do that or explain, have to explain like, no, it's there's nine minutes and 18 seconds left in the first quarter. I don't think we want to use our re our replay challenge yet. So um, again, those are, those are things that I think have improved the quality of the game and, and broadly speaking too, I mean, it's a better game. If you have the exact same game, the exact same plays that happen and it takes two hours and 15 minutes, it's a better game than if it takes two hours and 45 minutes. So that's just purely like an entertainment um, truism that you can't ignore. I mean, think about it with movies, people, there's so many good movies that people are like, man, it was a good movie, but it took way too long. Yep. You go in with the expectation that it's going to be a certain amount of time. And if it drags past that, even if it was a good product and you were entertained by it, it does take away from it. So I'm glad to see some of the time of games 
hopefully will continue to decrease the way it has been, it seems like, so far. And going back to coaching decisions, let's go back to uh, what the Pelicans have done the last couple of games without Josh Hart, who has been upgraded to questionable for tonight's game. But Herb Jones has been in that starting lineup for the last couple of games, and I believe I think a, a couple of people tweeted about it. He might be the only second-round pick right now that's currently starting for their mm -hmm. team. And, you know, this is a guy that was picked 35th overall, SEC Player of the Year, SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Um, what have you seen from Herb Jones in his two starts? Because obviously Willie Green um, has given him some tough assignments with some of the guys he's had at guard, especially in that Bulls game with DeMar DeRozan. He got caught on Zach Levine a little bit. Um, and then, of course, you, you have guys like Anthony Edwards that you have to worry about um, in Minnesota. But what have you seen from Herb Jones in his, in his two starts and the impact he's had? We always talk about the guys that are valuable are the guys that can impact the game without scoring. And I think Saturday's performance was such a great example of that. He only had two points. He didn't score at all until I think the either third or the fourth quarter, but yet he was such a difference maker. Um, he he kind of reminds me a little bit about how in football, you, you know, sometimes you have a, a cornerback who you can put on a guy and kind of take away a, a star receiver. You can take away half of the field. Um, it helps so much to have somebody like him that you can put on, a certain matchup and he can do a good job defensively. Um, but his, uh, his against the Timberwolves too Saturday, his offensive rebounding was huge. I mean, you hope to not have nights like that where you can't make a shot. And it yeah. was frustrating for the Pelicans to, I thought, have a chance to really win that game and take the lead, but they couldn't make open shots. But to have someone who can keep grabbing offensive boards and out hustling people was huge. Um, I thought the hustle game was a factor in a negative way for the Pelicans for some of that night, but um, Herb definitely helped kind of swing it back in the second half towards New Orleans, where they were getting more of those 50, 50 balls. And he's also great with deflections and getting his hands on things. I know some of the coaches have talked about already that his defensive instincts are just unbelievable that he just has such a, such an ability to know where to be and to anticipate plays. Yeah. I completely agree with you. It's been fun to watch. And uh, even if, you know, Josh Hart comes back and takes his place in the starting lineup, you just know that when Herb comes, you know, off the bench to the game, you know that you're going to get some quality minutes from him, no matter what the situation is, no matter if it's on the defensive end or on the offensive end, but he is capable on the offensive end too. I just, one, he's been working on a shot after practice um, every single day. And then also I think his ability to drive is there. It's just more him being comfortable with going to the rack here in, a, in the NBA, a little different than in the SEC. Well, Jim, I'm hoping that we get home tomorrow and I see you and we're talking about a Pelicans win. I know it's been a slow start for this team, um, but the fact that they've been fighting, playing hard, um, that's half the battle right there. It's more now just the executing, making shots, turning the ball over less. So we'll see what happens tonight. I appreciate your insight and we'll do this again on Wednesday. Sounds good, Daniel. All right, so we'll have another one for you on Wednesday as the Pelicans welcome in the Atlanta Hawks. That one's nationally televised on ESPN, so no Bally Sports. But there will be some Bally Sports tonight, 7 p.m., with Joel Myers, Antonio Daniels, and Jen Hale. And then Todd Graffini and I will have the call on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM with pregame beginning at 6.30. Make sure you get Jim Eikenhofer's shoot-around update as well if you're taking this in before uh, around noontime on Central Time Zone. Hope everyone has a great week. We'll have a couple more podcasts for you as the Pelicans have four games this week, ending on a Friday, Saturday, home back-to-back -back against the Kings and the New York Knicks. For Jim and Alan Horton of the Minnesota Timberwolves, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CP.